In this episode of Hashtag CJUSD Chats, Jamal Boyce, CTO of CJUSD and Hashtag CJUSD Chats co-founder, will be interviewing Antonio Castro, Director of Behavioral and Mental Health. They will be discussing the importance of mental health and what CJUSD has to offer our students and staff in terms of support and resources. Well, thanks, Lynette. I'm actually really excited for this episode. Um, I've had many conversations with Antonio and really substantial conversations. I think this is going to be a good episode, but before we get into the lightweight stuff, let's start with the serious stuff. All right. So I got a few questions for you, Antonio. Okay. Do you prefer chunky or smooth peanut butter? Smooth. 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 Yeah, chunky chunky does not belong on a piece of bread. Smooth is the way to go. I actually thought this was going to be a good episode. <laughs> I'm very disappointed in that answer. I prefer peanut butter that's crunchy. Okay. I like that okay. that bite. Um, all right, let me go to another question. All right, if you're driving, do you prefer AC on or windows down? Windows down. All right, yeah. All right, you redeemed yourself. Okay. All right, good, good. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the AC. I want to feel nature hitting me in the face. Exactly. We live in California. That's so right. Most of us are sometimes or uh, close to the ocean breeze. That's right. To some extent. That's right. <laughs> All right. So now let's get to the meteor stuff. Um, and thank you for playing that game. But I just want to go over like who you are for those the listeners to that just uh, give a bio of who you are, how you came about to CJUSD, and I'll let you have at it. Thank you, Jamal. Thank you so much, by the way, for the opportunity. Um, this this program means a lot to me, and anytime I get a chance <clears throat> to talk about and just kind of give light, shine light on the things that we do, I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful. That's definitely part of my role and something that I embrace about my role as a director. So Antonio Castro, the Director of Behavioral Mental Health Services for Colton Unified School District. But, um, you know, I'd like to kind of start from the beginning, right? So I am a graduate. I'm, I have my master's in social work, my bachelor's in psychology, actually, and my master's in social work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I found social work at Cal State San Bernardino through a mentoring relationship that I had with this professor who kind of showed me the way and I connected it. It's a long story. Maybe that's for another episode. but. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, this, this lady really mentored me, Dr. Marks. I want to give her a shout out. Uh, she mentored me and, and really opened my eyes to, to social work. But long story short, I found my way into school social work specifically mm-hmm. or school mental health. And uh, it, it was really just meant to be um, mental health and school education in general has been such a blessing to me. There was a period in my life where I struggled a lot in education for a lot of personal reasons. Mm-hmm. Part of it is because of my immigrant story, but nonetheless, you know, education really opened up a lot of doors and where I struggled as a young person, I ultimately ended up excelling in education. And so for me, education, mental health, it's a perfect marriage because, you know, mental health is really about giving kids the best opportunity to be the the best version of themselves. So long story, I, uh, you know, started my career in 2006 Mm -hmm. as a school mental health professional working for the Ontario Montclair School District. I did a little bit of everything there. I did outpatient treatment with mostly in the beginning, it was just school mental health. Mm -hmm. So for several years, I worked in a school mental health program for that school district, actually for a nonprofit organization that had a contract with the school district of Ontario Montclair. 
So I got a lot of experience there, um, learned the ins and outs. I was in the trenches, you know, working with kids, working with families. But I branched out after a few years, uh, mostly because of the nature of nonprofits where they yeah. lose certain funding. And so you have to kind of go in a different direction. It was a blessing in disguise because I got to work with adults and I did a few other things, substance abuse treatment. I facilitated groups, you know, for men, for women, victims of DV, uh, a lot of different things. But again, my love and my passion for school mental health started back in graduate school and it hasn't stopped. And so as long as I did what I did for that nonprofit, um, I found my way back into school mental health a few years later and kind of moving forward and kind of pushing the fast forward button a little bit. I got licensed along the way as a clinician and I supervised a mental health program for the Ontario Montclair School District for a few years, a couple years actually. In the back of my mind though, I always wanted, um, I think that one of the blessings of education is that it, it really allowed me to dream. You know? yeah. And that's, that's the blessing and that's something that, that I want to give to my kids, hope and the ability to dream. And that's mm -hmm. why I love mental health because it's about hope. It's about giving kids the, the gift of, of dreaming again, whatever their goals are. So one of the things that I always had in the back of my mind was just a leadership position. Yeah. Not knowing, not understanding much about leadership, but just desiring to be in that position. Um, I found myself supervising uh, a mental health program in Ontario Montclair. Fast forward a couple years into that program, an opportunity came up for the Colton Unified School District we actually had the, the, at that time, the assistant soup and director, who's currently still the director, Melissa Kingston, visit that program. I connected with them at that time. When I learned about Colton, it just seemed like, you know, it was just meant to be because I was ready at that time yeah. to take on a leadership role. So came here six years ago. Um, and from day one, you know, my mission, my goal was to establish a program here. So I definitely took the leadership, you know, uh, challenge on when I came here, developed this program, um, and I've been working at it, you know, since, what it what's been six years now. So this program has been in existence for about five school years, going on six school years now. And it's been a long road, but it's, it's, it's been an, an amazing experience, you know, coming to the school district and very grateful again for the opportunity to, to have been given this leadership role yeah. and to see this program grow and expand. Can you share with me, because it is interesting that we're two gentlemen talking about mental health. Can you share has, how some of the stigma has changed in the recent years in regards to mental health? Because I know whether in our backgrounds is a, a, in minority in, the, yes. in our culture, it's looked down upon, it's frowned upon, but now you're seeing it brought to light more and more. So can you tell how that's changed, when it's changed, as far as the perception of, uh, or the stigma of mental health? I, uh, I love the question. I appreciate the question because it's, it's one of the things that really drives me and motivates me every single day, every year. Every school year to me is a challenge. The challenge is to open the doors for more and more students to take advantage of our services. Mm -hmm. So when I came here uh, six years ago, the challenge was, was pretty steep. I mean, there was, not to say that we were, I was not embraced in the school district. That's, right. that's not even what I, I wouldn't even insinuate that. I, there was a lot of love and acceptance from the school community. Mm -hmm. But as far as parents go and the stigma in the community, it's, it's, it was there from day one. Yeah. And it's, it's improved. But the stigma is, is, is real, first of all. The stigma is a big challenge. 
there, there is a saying in the Latino culture that, um, and if I can translate it correctly, that your the dirty the dirty rags or your laundry stays in the closet. It sounds really cool in Spanish, but <laughs> in English it's, it's yeah, not it a perfect. Sound that yeah, cool. no, not, not that cool. <laughs> but the the idea is, you know, we all have quote unquote dirty laundry. Yes. We all have personal things that we deal with in our lives. All Correct. families have it. Yes. And in our cultures, and this is true for Latino culture, for African American culture. It's not, it's not in our culture, in our nature to put our stuff out there. You know, right. Our families really discourage that. And so it's been a challenge. Having said that, um, one of the blessings, and it's funny to say it this way, but, it's, but it is what it is. And I've been saying this lately a lot about the pandemic is that one of the blessings, yes. there's, probably, there's plenty others I know, but we have to count our blessings, right? When we go through struggles. But one of the blessings of the pandemic is that it's shone a big light on mental health mm -hmm. and i think that it kind of forced families to the brink of okay i can't do this on my own yes. anymore so that's been one of the blessings you know of the pandemic is that it's opened up the doors and it's opened the eyes and that wall of stigma yeah. has gone down a little bit it's really helped so we've grown significantly i mean numbers speak a million words in my opinion so when we first got started it also had to do with the size of our program was pretty small but we had a couple hundred referrals mm -hmm. when we first started six years ago and where we are now last year we had close to 850 we're coming up on close to a thousand referrals for mental health services wow. and that's coming from minority families mm -hmm. you know um it's coming from the families where the stigma is strong so I, I really think that those numbers speak a million words whereby families are opening up their doors opening up that door of trust and letting us go into the lives of their kids and their lives to help them and support them mm -hmm. um, because it's not just mental health, by the way. I do want to. I want to big up, give a shout out at the moment to our case management program and Ms. Leslie Maldonado, who has been a blessing to our program because she's helped to create a case management component mm -hmm. to our mental health program. For for too many of our families, I think about Maslow when I talk about this. So, like Maslow basically talks about how, in order for an individual to be the best version of themselves, to be quote unquote self actualized. You have to have building blocks. At the very bottom of those building blocks are those basic needs, food, clothing, shelter. All those essential needs have to be met in order for a kid to then even prioritize their well-being yes. and even much less be the best version of themselves. So we, we accept that as a program. We understand that. We value that. And so we have case management and mental health. And I would like to say that over the last few years, more and more families are accepting and willing to receive both case management support and mental health support for their kids. Yeah, I think for me, just being a leader, um, uh, IT leader during the pandemic, when my staff and other teams, other districts, the um, essential workers, uh, so they were essential workers, they, they were required to be in the field. And I could see fear in their eyes um, because it was unknown, but they had to work, they had to provide for their family. I see a lot of unknown. I had seen just burnout and like it showed it as far as the toll, the weight, they were unable to deal with it. And you could see it not only from just the lower level staff, the, the management as well. Um, and I know you mentioned just the benefits, but what have you seen just as far as um, the impact just of the, the two years, even like we're going into, we're still rolling out of but what have you seen and specifically with the, the, the students because they had to take a brunt of, of 
a lot of that uh, during that period of time where it's uncertainty, uh, certain things that were exposed to me as I was just having a conversation at lunch, just like you'd never factored in some of the kids or like the school was their safety. And now they're at home in areas where it's not so safe or they're, they don't want to be vulnerable and really uh, turn their cameras on and show their background and their settings. So can you share just some of the impacts and how you guys have just assisted in, in trying to bring them forward and out of that, that area of darkness that they were in? I, I, this is a great question because it's really, you're asking really about, it's about shining light on, on the issue that the aftermath still, um, we all want to be far removed mm -hmm. from the pandemic, mm -hmm. but the, the fact of the matter is, is that the effects and the impact is still lingering. It's still there. It's still there. So what, what we've learned about the impact of the pandemic, first of all, the consequences. So if we look at the issues that we're dealing with, the trends that we are seeing more than we did pre-pandemic, because that's mm -hmm. what we look at, right? We look at the before and after. When you compare what kids were dealing with, kids were always were dealing with mental health issues. I Correct. mean, this is nothing new. Correct. You know, I think if anything, this just brought to the surface a lot more issues. The stressor of the pandemic and everything that you described, you know, having to be home, parents having to make ends meet, kids having to basically will themselves through a school day on a screen. Mm -hmm. It was very difficult. And the other challenge, too, was, you know, the lack of connection. I think what the pandemic did is it exposed our human nature to connect, it exposed how important it is yes. for us as humans to be connected, yes. to be, you know, to be around each other, to connect, to socialize. That is such a part of the educational experience of mm -hmm. students. It's going to school, connecting, seeing another body, human body, connecting, even if you don't talk, if even if you're not a talker, right? Yes. Just being around people, like it's human nature. Yes. And so when that was taken away and then they had to come back, Everybody thought the world, let me take that back. There were a lot of people that thought that when we open the floodgates and kids come back, a lot of that is going to resolve itself. Yes. But unfortunately, what we noticed is that it, it was not the opposite, but there were so many kids that their bodies got used to being, you know, isolated mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, psychologically, even spiritually. A lot of kids got used to and they got stuck in that isolation mindset. Mm -hmm. And we are still seeing the side effects of that, of, of that reality yeah. in kids. Uh, never before have we seen so much social anxiety in our program and in our school district. We always had the few, mm -hmm. but we have so many kids right now struggling with social anxiety. We have, you know, one of the things that we manage in our program, our risk assessments are we do a lot of consultation with schools whenever there is a, a child who's having an, a mental health emergency. So we will oftentimes, you know, connect with administrators, counselors and whatnot. And, and lately, the calls that we're getting from different school sites, from admin, from counselors, consulting about a child who's just at their wits end because yeah. of some kind of an anxiety disorder. It's, it's so much more common now than it ever was. Mm -hmm. So that is a huge consequence. And one of the things that we are struggling with as a school district right now is just trying to support those kids that are still dealing with anxiety, that yeah. mentally, psychologically, they're still kind of stuck. And it's been such a challenge for them to move on and break out of that isolation mindset is what I'm calling. I don't even know if that's a real term, but I'm just making it up we'll, today. We'll take it. We'll take it. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge impact. And 
when a kid cannot get control of their anxiety, the natural thing is for kids to become helpless, hopeless, and depressed. So the other thing that we see and we struggle with is the the rise in suicidal thoughts or mm-hmm. ideation. It's it's a trickle down effect. Yeah, it's a trickle down effect, but it's really taking a toll on social anxiety and just general anxiety. We're dealing with it more than ever. Yeah, one of the things you stated just as far as um, us not we weren't created basically to be in isolation to be in caves. And I shared that in uh, in a speech just because me or in IT, typically a lot of people are introverts or self-contained, but the pandemic showed this is not natural, like for long periods of time, not interacting. So, um, and you can see the impact just with the adults. And so one of the greatest days that I had just being here at the district was the um, anti-bullying kindness day, because I got to go out to the school sites and dance and sing with the kids yeah. and i got to see the smiles i got to see the joy and i think it was even a comment on social media i think jamal enjoys this yeah. day more than the kids <laughs> but honestly i feed like i'm an introvert in some ways but i feed off emotion and joy and 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 it and i'm used to kids laughing and joking and so i like to see more of that to give them like that's that hope that you stated um but now one of the difficult t- things is we're in a time in our season uh, where it's holiday season. And I think, not I think, I know there have been many people who lost loved ones uh, during the past few years. Like I shared with many that I lost two uncles in a span of four days during the pandemic, one from COVID, one from cancer. And like, so I know the impact as I'm thinking, like we're going through these these seasons, and like my dad, these these were his brothers, my aunts, that was their brothers, and you think of family, like this is a time to get together with those loved ones. So, how and how should we address those who don't have those members with them? How should we be sensitive or empathetic to those who may not have that joyful? time or it may bring up some kind of uh, how do you guys i guess uh, uh provide services or support to students who may not be feeling like hopeful or joyful at this period of time yeah another really good uh, great question thank you jamal um <clears throat> so so practically what we provide um is is support you know mental health support uh, obviously via individual uh via group We've actually developed a lot of grief and loss groups for, mm-hmm. for kids over the last couple of years because of the reality that a lot of kids have lost family members during these difficult times that we've been through. Uh, so we, we do practically have groups, individual, um, and we have a network of support. So one of the things that I didn't say about our, our district's mental health program is that we've created a tiered system of support. So for any level of support, so. Mental health is typically divided into three different tiers, mild, moderate, and severe, Mm -hmm. right? Something happened in your life, typically, and that situation or that reality may lead to a child experiencing mental health symptoms. And those may develop into mild, they may progress into moderate or severe symptoms of mental health. We're talking about grief and loss. You know, a kid can be experiencing any one of those three levels of mental health because Mm -hmm. of that loss. So we have a tiered system of support where we provide immediate support in our program. But our school counselors, by the way, a big, big shout out to them because they are also at the front lines of providing that emotional contact and support to kids from a preventative level. 
So part of what I've done or tried to do in our school district is really create a community of SEL supports, a community of social and emotional supports. Because it's not just about our program. Our program alone cannot support all of the needs of all of our students. It would never be wise to try to go at it alone with these all these issues that are coming up. Right. So we have our counselors providing SEL support. By the way, there's a lot of support staff, you know, that do an amazing job of building relationships and supporting students because that's really what it takes to help kids that are going through a lot in their lives, especially because of a loss. It's about building relationships. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to be a mental health professional to build a relationship with the kids. So I've seen support staff, I've seen units, I've seen security staff building relationships with kids. So it's really a school district effort. So we have preventative supports that we provide kids with PBIS, with counselors. Um, Obviously we have our mental health program. Actually, let me back up. In terms of prevention, another amazing support that we have in our school district are our wellness centers. Mm -hmm. It's a one-stop shop where kids can go when they're feeling dysregulated, whatever's triggering them, especially because of a loss. They can go into a wellness center, get support short-term, because the idea there is let's help these kids right now so that they can go back and be functional in the classroom. Yeah. So it's short-term, it's quick, but they can get supports there. So we have that. We have our mental health program. And then we have relationships with the community. We have community partners or providers. So we have South Coast, Victor Community, uh, the Department of Behavioral Health. So we, we really look at what the child is going through, and we try to connect that kid to the right level of support. It's not about one person. It's not about one program. But it's about all of us coming together and trying to support kids. And I, I like you said, it's a community. Um, and we, we obviously know that students weren't the only ones impacted but staff as well i think i was just in a principals meeting the other week and one of the principals was breaking down because it's like they're feeling the pain of staff burning out and like uh like there's just a lack of just support as far as the subs and things of that nature and everybody's at their wits end because there's this is still new territory for them all so what kind of support do you guys offer also to the adult the adult staff Thank you so much for asking because, you know, the, the saying goes, right, that if, if you, you got to feed yourself, right? right. The, the idea about the oxygen mask, I've seen that that analogy. I'm sure I came across a picture where... Or if you flew on an airplane. You, probably. There you go. There you go. There you go. It's, yeah, that's, it's been a while since I've flown, but that's probably where I got it, right? You got to put the oxygen mask on yourself yes. before you help your kids. Correct. And, and so, yes, um, you know, frankly... Let me first be real about the answer. The answer is that, you know, there isn't enough for our staff. So let me just be real. And and so I don't want to, you know, make it seem like we have a comprehensive support program for our staff because mm-hmm. they deserve that. But having said that, we definitely have supports in place for our staff. So our program alone, right, um, has reached out to several staff. It's so humbling. During the pandemic and after the pandemic, how many staff members have reached out to us for That's support, good. by the way? It just blows me away because it, it just reminds me that it doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter your education, your title, your status. We're all human and we all go through stuff. And so definitely our mental health program supports our staff and we do the best that we can with the limited resources that we have mm-hmm. to support them. Um, and we're always taking calls you know, from staff members that, that needs some short-term support because that's ultimately what we provide. We have, I have, like I said, I have two additional staff members that can support, but we also have contracted uh, therapists that we work that work with our mental health program that we can tap into 
So we have internal resources, uh, but this is also a really good time to shout out our risk and benefits department yes. because they're doing an amazing job at promoting and you know just putting the good word out there about the benefits, the, the, the emotional benefits, mental health support benefits that our districts have. And I feel like many of our staff are not ut utilizing those yeah. supports. So their effort, and I know that Ms. Mary Dublé, big shout out to her right now, <laughs> she's doing everything she can to promote those health benefits, mental health and regular health benefits yeah. to our staff because I feel like they're not being utilized enough. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, I feel like part of our, part of our, you know, what we're trying to do is make our staff aware. Like mm -hmm. Here's your, here's resources. We know we don't have everything in house. Correct. But here is what is available in the community. Here's what's available under your benefits that you can tap into when you need that support. Uh, that's good, and and hopefully those who are listening to this podcast will share it out just to listen to the resources that uh, we do provide because I know from my district where I came from, it was very little as far as the mental health support, um, not only for students, but staff as well. And to have that all within our district and you leading the charge, I think uh, more people need to be aware of that. But I think this is important. Like I said, we're in the season of the holidays and you being the genius and empathetic leader that you are, um, what are some um, tips that you would uh, give to those uh, dealing with stress uh, during the holiday season? I got I got some tips for you. Okay. I got some tips I'm for ready. you. Uh, but, you know, um, I, I don't want to over... You asked a, such a good question earlier about, you know, people that have dealt with losses and, and, and the, the, you know, the holidays, like you said earlier, Jamal, it, it's supposed to be a time of 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 connecting it's yes. it's about family it's about connecting it's about you know just taking that time to 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 be with one another to to communicate to engage and, and all those good things i mean the holidays are supposed to give us an opportunity to mm -hmm. do that but like you said unfortunately what the holidays end up doing uh for for practical reasons right because sometimes there's a lot of financial stress that comes yes. with the holidays because for, for many of our families who struggle with just the basic needs or resources, mm -hmm. it's, it's stressful, right? To not be able to have or give their kids the resources that they need or to be able to enjoy a really nice meal or to give them the things that they would like to give them during Christmas time and all that. So it can also cause a lot of stress. But it's also, like you said earlier, and you alluded to it, it's the reminder sometimes of the things that we don't have. Yeah. Right. It's a reminder of that loved one that we lost or it's a reminder of the fact that our parents are not together and mm -hmm. we have to share holidays with mom and dad. And mm -hmm. it's just, it, it's, it just reminds us of the things that we don't have. And unfortunately, sometimes we can get stuck in that mindset, right? Yes. And it, it leads to depression. It leads to just feeling bad about your situation. And so I have some tips, you know, that I wanted to give okay. on dealing with holiday stress or even what we call also the holiday blues, mm -hmm. right? So my five tips are number one, to give your electronic devices a break, I like to say give them an electronic holiday. Put them down for at least one day or more if possible. That's good. Tip number two, uh, exercise. Physical activity, you know, break a sweat is really the goal with exercise and physical activity. But also get sun exposure. Go outside, stand in front of the sun, get that vitamin D. Physical exercise and sun exposure. Uh, produce feel-good hormones that are going to help deal with the holiday stress and the holiday blues. Number three, practice gratitude and try acts of kindness. 
Um, it feels better to give sometimes than to receive. It takes your mind off the things that you don't have. Mm -hmm. So practicing kindness, uh, uh, acts of kindness and practice gratitude. Number four, create a vision board and identify different areas of your life. For example, your financial part of your life, right? Education, spiritual, including mental health. And just look at five years ahead and what you think those things will look like. If, if you had a magic wand and you can kind of make all those things be in a better place, yeah. what would they look like? Create a vision board, get pictures online and, and make them part of your vision board. So you can kind of meditate on that in the mornings. Last but not least, this is for parents. Try to keep your kids on a routine when they go on break, mm -hmm. especially root, uh, sleeping routines, right? Try not to dis disrupt those routines too much. Uh, if they're used to going to sleep at 8, 9 o'clock at night, try not to stay too far away from that routine mm -hmm. because it's really hard for kids to readjust when they have to come back to school. Each episode of the Hashtag CJUSD Chats podcast will feature our own CJUSD students discussing what student voice means to them. So when we asked, what does student voice mean to you? Here is what they said. Hello, my name is Levi Larios. I'm in fifth grade. And I think that student voice means that we all should be able to say and express how we feel. And um, it's important to do that because no one else is going to know what we're going through. Um, and it is important to be able to share our experiences because let's say you're going through something hard. You could just piggyback off of someone else's experience. And with the help of their experience, maybe you can overcome your problems. And so those are the reasons why um, I think uh, student voice is something that we should be able to have. And that's why also it's important for me to share my experiences with others. Goodbye. Now as we're closing out, let's just close out on a, a good note because we got five other things we want to discuss all right so this is our fast five so let me just kick it off with this what is your favorite app youtube uh -huh. all right so get bonus points because that's mine as well <laughs> all right favorite song that puts you in a good mood okay i got a few on my playlist right now but lately uh, -huh. uh so i i i I have, I have to, my confession is that I struggle with memorizing lyrics, <laughs> right? But but I can remember a beat, yeah, and I can remember rhythms. Uh, and there is this song called uh, from uh, Modest Mouse is the name of the group. It's called Float On. The 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 the, the rhythm, the, the the drums, the the guitar, yeah. the instruments. I was listening to it this morning. It got me in a mood this morning. Do you dance when you hear the music? Or I, my, your head? I, I start bobbing my head. People look at me kind of weird. Yeah. Like, what's this guy doing in his car? <laughs> He's having a moment. Yeah. Uh, that song gets me going. It, it got me going this morning. So that that's my go-to right now. It may change maybe next week. But uh -huh. right now, it's it's flown on from Modest Mouth. Okay. If you could eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, man. I think I overanalyze things. See, because I'm thinking, okay, if I'm going to eat this one thing for the rest of my life, do I want to, you know, do I want to have a heart attack sooner than later? <laughs> or or if I'm going to go out, I'm just going to go out, you know, and just eat. Okay, I'm going to let myself just be right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have tacos yes. because my thought behind that is that you can have all different kinds of tacos. Chicken tacos. You can have hard tacos, crunchy tacos, soft tacos. All right. You are like my best friend. 
Um, so now if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? I hate this question because I can never think about like one place, but I came, I came to a conclusion. This is, this is my thought. Uh, this is my, this is my true answer lately. I've always asked myself that question. Like if I could just be anywhere right now, where would I go? And my brain takes me everywhere. I can yeah. never decide. I'm so indecisive when it comes to that. But lately, a couple years back, I did this ancestry thing, right? Where I got to learn about my family roots and You're part Nigerian. I, I, there is a there's a certain percentage that I have African, by the way. Yeah, most people do. Most yes. people do. It's the right? So I have that, and I have this, and that, and the other. So my thought was, wouldn't it be cool if I can go visit where oh. all of the different parts of the world where my that's cool. roots are connected that's to? Cool. So that's that's my answer. That's a good answer. That's I like it. That answer. That's it. And last question: favorite hobby? Oh, mountain biking. Well, you no ride a lot. Yeah, yeah. It used when I was younger, it was just nothing but sports. Yeah. But I'm 42 now, so my body's not the same. <laughs> my brain betrays my body. I understand. My brain says you can do it. My body says you're crazy, and then it's just depressing. So no. But mountain biking, I love mountain biking. Everything about it, I love being outside. I love the I like the physical aspect of it. I love the challenge. I just like being outdoors. So mountain biking is my thing. That's that's a solid group of answers that you provided. Um, and thank you, Antonio, for pro playing our game of Fast Five. Thank you. And we just want to tell the listeners, thank you for listening. And Antonio shared a lot of good information and a lot of resources. So be sure just to share this with friends and other listeners as well. And with that, we say goodbye. Thank you. Peace. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Hashtag CJUSD Chats, featuring our incredible Director of Behavioral and Mental Health, Mr. Antonio Castro. He offered some great strategies to our CJUSD community. We hope you will join us on our next episode, where we will speak to Social Shield, a team of students from Bloomington High School's Virtual Enterprise Program.